The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Uh, recently, it was announced that the Yellowhead County is receiving a $300,000 grant through the Government Mountain Pine Beetle Municipal Grant Program. Uh, the Pine Beetle has been busy in that area over the past couple of years, so we thought it time to check in on what exactly the situation is like in Alberta, spring of 2020, and the ongoing work to battle the nasty little bugs. Dr. Janice Cook is director of the Mountain Pine Beetle Strategic Network and a biological sciences professor at the University of Alberta. Dr. Cook, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, first off, um, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, this grant that was announced just a short time ago is good news. Um, you know, any little bit helps right now in this battle? That is correct, especially given um, the uncertain financial times that we're in. We're always happy to see a provincial investment in uh, mountain pine beetle control. Um, this matters not only for industry, but also for our sense of well-being, our, our towns, and, and our recreation. Okay, so give us an idea of how bad the situation is in Alberta right now. I know that that cold snap in January, there were some fingers crossed that that might have helped. I think this is the time of year that you go out and survey to see what has happened. Can you give us an update? Yeah, so this is the time of year when um, provincial forest health officers and their teams are out looking at trees that they know were attacked in previous years um, to, to see how many of those beetles that were there in the fall, how many of them lived. Um, so we can, we can draw comparisons to the COVID-19 outbreak as we think about flattening the curve. You know, every time that we have um, beetles attacking the tree, we have many beetles attacking those trees. And every female beetle that attacks a tree and successfully colonizes it, it they lay a lot of eggs. And so the more of those larvae that get killed over the winter, the fewer adults are going to develop in the spring and attack new trees. So that overwintering mortality really matters. We have to kill a lot of beetles to flatten that curve. Okay, so are any, do you have any estimates or guesstimates, I guess, right now, what might have happened uh, from January to uh, how it would impact how many made it through? What we have right now are only the modeling predictions. Um, we know that crews are out right now sampling, um, sampling those survivors just to see how many we have. We don't have those data yet, to my knowledge. They're working okay. on it. Um, but from those models... We expect that in some of those hardest hit areas, east of Hinton, south of Hinton, in that Edson area, um, could have experienced as high as 90 to 95% mortality. That's based on the model predictions. And our models are usually pretty good. The people who develop these models, run these models, are way better at math than I am. And so <laughs> they, they've proven to be pretty, pretty reliable. But it's those on-the-ground boots on the ground um, surveys that are really, really important to validate these models. So what it is, is we, we know that we have um, pretty good overwintering beetle death, but what we don't know is how good it is. And it really takes 
a lot of, of, um, of beetle murder before we get to that flattened curve. And so the last two winters, we've had pretty good beetle deaths. The previous winters, we didn't. And that's what allowed those populations to get really super high. Yeah, and, you know, when you're driving through, when we were out in, you know, driving out through that area, out to the mountain parks last year, you can just see it when you're when you're along the highway and you think, oh, my gosh, how much farther is this going to go? Is there a way to, uh, yeah. can you stop this or is it just about managing the spread right now, Dr. Cook? It's just like COVID-19 and that... Um, Foresters can put measures in place to slow the spread. So they get a little bit of help from Mother Nature with those overwintering temperatures. But the province um, invests substantial sums of money every year to identify beetle attack trees, to go on the ground in the winter, to cut those trees down individually and burn them on the spot so that they're removing any potential live beetles in an area. And um, other modeling exercises from economists have shown that 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 process of killing those attack trees has, in fact, slowed the spread. If the province hadn't made all of those years of investments, the outbreak would be worse than it is today. Wow. So when you talk about treatment, though, and I was reading from a, a website, and I think these probably numbers are a little bit outdated, but from what I was reading, it said at one point it was um, the Alberta government had treated 44,000 infested trees within Yellowhead County to date. I don't know how up to date that number is, but when we talk about treatment strategies, those are the things that you're touching on, cutting down trees, burning them, chipping them, that sort of thing. But that's how we treat this. There is not a treatment for the trees that will allow them to recover and survive or something to deter the bugs from getting into the trees is there so on a large scale like the size of alberta's forested lands there isn't yet an effective treatment there is a treatment that one can apply to trees on a smaller scale like Mm. say the trees on a golf course or the trees in your yard Um, this is a uh, a chemical that's synthesized by the beetle is called verbenome. And, and basically, it's a pheromone that says to other beetles, this tree is full, go find another tree. And so it acts as a deterrent to beetles trying to find a home to attack. And, and so that works on, a, like I said, on a small scale, maybe a small town or, or a golf course, but we can't apply it over an entire huge forested track because eventually the beetles will just say, well, I'm going to attack anyway. I have to find some place to go. So that's why it's ineffective over large forests. But, you know, um, people are still working on these ideas. There's some very innovative ideas. Whether or not any of them will be developed to the point of application during the span of this particular outbreak, which has been going now for two decades, is anybody's guess. But what we do know is that out on the landscape, some trees get attacked, some trees don't. Um, And what we've been looking at in my lab is whether those trees that don't get attacked, are they lucky? Or maybe there's something about their genetics that protects them. And that's what we've been looking at. And so do we have any answers or any um, insights into that yet? Well, we have our first indications that 
maybe they're not just lucky. Maybe maybe there's some genes at work there. Mm. Okay, interesting, because I'm having a number of people texting in and saying and, and wondering if there are specific kind of pine trees that they like um, mainly. Are they trying to get into other kinds as well? Or is it like so a free-for-all as long as you're a pine tree? Question. So it turns out that um, these mountain pine beetles like a lot of different kinds of pines. So in fact, they have, during the course of this outbreak, um, they've not only attacked species of pines that they've habitually attacked before, but they've also moved into species that we think they haven't been exposed to before, and that's jack pine. We've tried them with other different species, including the iconic eastern white pine, and they thought that that was pretty yummy. That was chocolate cake. <laughs> it was like a big old buffet for them. A big the, old the buffet, fr- that's right. <laughs> Where is where does that line run right now, Doctor Cook? What would be like the the front right now? That line where the um, pine beetles are in the province. I think it's you know as far up north as does it go up as far north as, as Slave Lake and then and then down. It it has actually. Um in in earlier years, we we had attacked trees right up to the Northwest Territories border. Um, Those those bits of outbreak um, did subside in later years, um, but currently we have active attack trees north of Slave Lake and leading right into the Lac-La-Biche forest area. Where we are concerned is about that southern spread from that Hinton epicenter moving towards and and reaching places like Rocky Mountain House and and potentially moving south Um, because, of course, that that area has very dense pine stands. It's really important environmentally. It's really important uh, economically and um, uh, to see those trees getting attacked, um, even though they're not on a major highway, um, is really disconcerting. Yeah. So, so what do you do? I mean, uh, the work, I guess, just keeps on continuing. The research just keeps on going. But um, it, it seems to me that if, as long as these bugs are still around and as long as they can fly up to five kilometers a day come July and August when they start moving, that um, this might be a never-ending battle. It is, it's a little bit like the long haul that we're in with COVID-19. You know, um, I, I think uh, some of the specialists that they've been interviewing on TV said it right. If they could have potentially put every single person on earth into their own little box for two weeks and not had them interact with anybody else, they could have snuffed it out. Mm. But that's i mean that's just not possible and this is our challenge in canada with our really big forests our natural forests our wild forests that don't have roads crisscross through them is that um there is there's such a big tree base to get these insects into a population state that is so big that the best that we can do is focus the energies and the time and the money on control, where that control can make the biggest difference. And that's the one thing I think that research has really been able to help the province with is saying, if you've got this much money, this is where it could be best spent to to hold the line. And here's maybe where the break is so big that um, 
it's best just to walk away. Um, because, of course, it's not a bottomless pit of money. There's, there's only yeah. so much to go around, and, and spending it wisely to get the best control effort out of what you have is, is really, really important. And so that's, that's where I think um, we've made the biggest impact with research is to be able to say, here, here is, here's a wise strategy for, for control. Let's, let's see if that slows the spread for the most that you can do. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you maybe to gaze into your crystal ball a little bit, put you on the spot here. What do you think our forests look 5, 10, 20 years from now in well, Alberta? We can, we can take a page a little bit from um, what's happened in BC, but we've also got a made in Alberta situation. So we know underneath of these trees that have been um, killed by mountain pine beetle, that new forests regenerate almost right away. Um, we also know that our province has very strict policies about reforesting areas that have been subject to natural disturbance like fire and like mountain pine beetle. So those forests are, are going to regenerate. What the big question is, and, and what a lot of researchers are working on, is what is the most resilient forest that we can replace these current forests with? Can we give them a fighting chance to withstand everything that nature is going to throw at them in the next couple of hundred years? You know, not just yeah. mountain pine beetle, but drought and other diseases. Um, we, we can't fireproof them, but maybe we can um, get the mix right of ages, species, and genetics to make for more resilient forests. Dr. Cook, I always enjoy our conversations, just fascinating stuff. Thanks for the work that you're doing on this, and thanks for joining me this afternoon to have the conversation. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great day. Yeah, you too, Dr. Janice Cook, who is the director of the... Um Mountain Pine Beetle Strategic Network and a Biological Sciences Professor at the University of Alberta.